0: Me and you were the same. It's like we have an idea, we want to give that idea to people, and then we hope at some point we don't lose money doing it. Right?
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's it's definitely it's definitely an American thing versus a British thing. I'm I'm going through this a lot at the minute because I'm I'm part of a Slack community that's mostly full of Americans, and and there's only a few of us Brits in there, and and the difference kind of the difference that you approach things is huge. But um, that's not to say that one's a bad thing and one's a good thing. It's just that Americans are much more forward about promotion, much more much more forward about asking for their own value and things like that. And British are just more reserved. That's just where that we are. And I think there's there's things to learn from both with it, definitely. Uh, I don't particularly find Chris Doe's tweets offensive, but I know... oh yeah
0: just so we're clear it's not offensive i just find i know what you mean the 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 but
1: people do brit a lot of british designers find him really really offensive like it is is i would
0: say more like abrasive right yeah or blunt or uh it's like the net benefit right he makes money but with that money he's able to amplify his reach and it does come from a place of he definitely wants to help people right it's just his tone and style of doing that is uh, you either will like it or you will dislike it. And he would argue that it's better to have that kind of uh, divisive nature than being forgettable. And, and I would agree with that, right? But um, mm. does it leave much room for self-criticism or self-evaluation? Um, sometimes that, that drive to generate revenue or make a bit of a statement um and to become a character and a personality almost gives you no room to change um that you the the, because you've got all of these followers and you're accumulating money and you're accumulating profile you think that you're always doing the right thing Um, but what you're doing is you you've hit a, a particular sort of stream of interest. Um, and I would always, I personally would probably, I'm very sensitive to how many followers I've got and that each individual person, uh, is an individual and not as a collective. So you may have, I don't know, we will back to this kind of Instagram thing, but like 50,000 followers, um, they're not behaving like a collective. It's just that each one is saying that they're interested in what you've just said by liking it. Mm -hmm. But you can't say that I'm right all the time because 10,000 of them like what you've just said or retweeted it. Um, It's nice that some people like what I'm doing, but that doesn't give me any more reassurance than I've ever had before. Right. There's, still that self-doubt and that means that I'm always prepared to keep changing it's not like the algorithm saying this did well now keep producing that to raise your profile it's like okay that did well what can I do that's different and interesting for me next time instead of just leaning on on this particular idea or visual or uh, stream of things it's like lots of is it interesting is it different and that's why we're doing this right
1: Yeah, I've been going through that at the minute with Twitter. I've been trying to work that out and taking it more seriously posting more often, writing loads of different kinds of tweets and then suddenly you start to figure out that some things resonate with people more than others and then you start getting more likes and more followers for that kind of thing and then you start saying more of that and then you become known for that and then within a couple of weeks you can see how that exponentially continues to rise with some people suddenly you've You've been saying one thing for so long that you've got such a big following, you've got 500,000 people or whatever, and you've been saying the same thing. That's the only thing that you say then because you've built a following on that. That's what people expect you to say and you continue saying it. Gary Vaynerchuk is, is the perfect example of that. He says like four, four or five things over and over in every video and, he's, and you become a parody of yourself when you get that big <laughs> and you've just got to continue doing it. Well, you don't have to continue doing it, but you feel like you have to if you want to continue getting bigger. It becomes this kind of self-fulfilling prophecy, doesn't it, where you've just got to keep saying the same things over and over and over. I've been going through that too.
0: And and there's these I'm having this sort of conversation with um With my girlfriend at the moment she she's a dentist and she's not working at the moment and so she's helping me she's essentially now my social media manager and she's doing all of this research and she's saying well you need a weekly newsletter and you need to be posting this and you need to be doing this and all i'm seeing is um the same things that everybody else is doing uh to try and monetizing right monetize everything and it's a very difficult hurdle to get over because I just don't want to fit into that kind of mold of this is how you acquire more followers. This is how you acquire more capital. Uh, I want to find my own channels and, and
1: I tell you what really concerns me about it is that, um, I'm I'm doing this kind of thing more, I'm tweeting more, writing more, making more videos, doing more podcasts, that kind of thing. You become known for doing that thing more than the thing that you actually spend your job doing. And that's the thing that makes me uncomfortable about it. I'm a designer still, that's what I spend the majority of my life doing. But the other stuff, you get to a tipping point, don't you? When something becomes potentially more successful you start making the other stuff and not doing the thing that give you all the knowledge to do the stuff in the first place so you
0: yeah that's the that's that's really important Uh, and i think you you've really hit struck a chord with me there is that i'm a designer i engage in design practice with uh providing services and um helping businesses and I don't want to be a design character.
1: <laughs> yeah, a guru.
0: I don't want to be a guru. I don't want to be an entertainer. Uh, I want to talk about design, but I, I don't want it to be this thing that people go to because they want a laugh or humor. I want people to go to me because um, I've experienced a, a certain a certain kind of way of working or making it in design, or. You know the 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 experience or the the practice um people learn from but when the problem is with um things like YouTube is that it requires you to be um a productized so uh you need to be able to describe what it is that you do in a few words right so that people get it, and that's why you have basically a lot of logo design characters because you can package it up really easily. I'm a logo designer. I have a logo design community. I will sell you a logo design book. I will sell you stickers. Um, I will teach you how to do a logo design um, process on Skillshare. Um, uh, you, you, I will sell t-shirts. I will do um, talks on logo design. So. But once you get fully into that, and that is your offering, it doesn't really give you much leeway to just jettison all of that and say, now I want to write um, about philosophy and I'm going to use my design tools to create a philosophy magazine on an anthropology magazine, right? Because all of your followers are going to be like, what the fuck? I want my logo book. <laughs> yeah. um, this is who you are. And this is what I signed up for. And, and so, and, and say you have like 60,000 followers, hundreds of thousands of followers that expect you to be this logo designer. And that's where all your money comes from. You are not going to say, fuck that. <laughs> I'm gonna go do this other thing, right? Mm. And I think this is the problem for those individuals is that, or people that are known for something is that you can't even allow yourself to think that there's another route because you'll make yourself unhappy. You'll say, I'm stuck doing this. I'd rather be doing this. Um, it, it's like the security of money, right? Um, whereas, I don't know what you're like. I'm, 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 when I know something works, like Logo Archive works, um, I'm thinking about, okay, so that works, but what's the next thing? Okay, w- where am I gonna learn something else? Because I know how to do that now.
1: Yeah um, I'm exactly the same. You could you could capitalise on logo archive and you, oh, you yeah, yeah and you could have capitalized on BPNO but you're just like me, you want to move on to a different thing that's completely different, that's not in that because that's where that's where a more interesting challenge is. I've got exactly the same thing. I'm I'm running an agency and I do that and we, we're pretty successful and we make money from it. And I also wrote that book and that's the thing that I'm kinda of talking about and promoting at the minute and I'm thinking, there's loads of other stuff I could do with that, but I don't want to do the other stuff with that. I want to move on to another project that's something different. I, mean, I don't know whether that's a, a flaw in my personality or it's, it's, it's you know, getting bored or what, I don't know.
0: And the the going back to that sort of sustaining that profile is what people don't realise is the amount of energy and time that, has to go into sustaining that profile and it bleeds over into your um uh, free time. So uh, at seven o'clock I have to post something to Instagram to logo archive to keep it alive to so show Instagram that I'm an active account. Um I can buffer that so it doesn't sort of intrude too much upon things. But the fact that things like buffer exist where you can schedule posts just actually tells you the, the imposition that Twitter and Instagram and YouTube imposes on, on your life outside of your sort of practice, right? Is that I have to post things on Saturday and Sunday. And it, it's not that it takes very long. It takes like a minute or two minutes to post something. But it's the 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 mental energy that it takes knowing that I'm having a nice day um and you're with your friends you're like just one moment while i while i post this thing to instagram it's an imposition and it's kind of like it's very present in your life and and it's it's actually for me it's quite frightening that i'm spending an hour a day on uh social media but actually it's not a solid hour it's like Mm -hmm. one two minutes throughout the day for an hour that is that's Me, really problematic, and to sustain something like Logo Archive and BP Note is a significant drain on my time. So, I have no idea what it's like for these people with a million followers. Um, Mm. presumably, they somehow scale up with social media managers and things like that. And as you said, that becomes the thing because you've got no time for design practice. Um, and it's just you have to decide what kind of person. You want to be in how long for, you know, do you want to do it for a year and just say, after that year, uh, I'm going to just sack it all in and go do something else.
1: That's the tension, isn't it? That's the tension between being a worker and being a promoter. And that's the that's the balance that we have to find. If we want our work to get wider and we want more people to see and we want to get more clients and we want to do more good work, there's the tension that you've got to offset that with spending some time promoting yourself which isn't doing the design work and trying to find that balance is next to impossible, but it's just, the th- it's just the thing, isn't it? I think it's, I, I think it's just because we've been doing it for, for 15 years. I think this thing is probably easier for younger designers um, because they've grown up with it. They've grown up with Instagram accounts. They've grown up with, you know, Facebook and Twitter and all that. It's probably easier, but I think we come from more of a, a time when that wasn't the thing now I think the problem with uh, a lot of people is that they want to promote stuff, but they haven't done any work, and they it's the other it's the flip side they they've got ah, everything yeah, yeah. all the time to spend to promote stuff, and they're geniuses at it, but they've got no work to promote.
0: And I think you that's that's the truth. There is uh, um, that I get so many comments on Instagram and direct messages where they're throwing uh, standard comments at any any account trying to pick up some kind of interest and i occasionally i sort of indulge myself in it whereas i know i shouldn't uh, where i click the link and i have a look at their portfolio and i think you're better off spending time refining your craft or, or your knowledge or, or you're sort of spending some time learning a bit more than trying to get uh people's attention and repost things for, for visibility that's definitely worth more time than, but I think this is the promise of, of, of social media is that uh, everyone can have, um, it is the, the. you know, the uh, five minutes, uh, 15 minutes of fame thing yeah. that was like, now it's like, well, you can have like your five minutes of fame and many more me- people can have five minutes of fame. So fame seems so much closer. Um, or visibility as i prefer to call it seems so much closer it's a tweet away and that's what gets everyone locked into trying to spend time on it they're trying to hit that sort of uh, stream of gold but uh, it's really just a a promise Um, uh, they say if you keep going uh, you will get it but it isn't and of course because uh, the people that do succeed are very very present in your life so um celebrities would come on a tv program or you would go to the cinema and you would see fame but now you're seeing fame in your daily life because of the instagram feeds and you want that more because it seems everyone's famous now Uh, and that's part of the deal it's how they lock you into it it's like um just keep posting you'll get it uh we promise just keep doing it
1: yeah we all feel like we want to be famous because it seems so easy to get it's it's just the it's the culture we're living now, isn't it? It's the, it's the instant economy. Everything's instant. When you post something on any of these platforms, you're waiting for a like. You're waiting for a couple of likes. You, your, your entire life is judged on how many likes you get on everything. And it's making it, some people it? forget that it, it's not about that. It's about actually the work that's underneath it.
0: And I think it speaks to a, a sort of state of mind as well. Um, I've spent quite a lot of time... Um uh, On a bit of introspection, understanding what it is that um, drives me to do things, and I really like to switch fame with visibility uh, because it really describes uh, the thing that I experience, and perhaps um this goes back to childhood uh, the 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 feeling of not being noticed or acknowledged for Uh, the work that you're doing at school, that you want your parents' um, approval, for instance, that perhaps you didn't have a parent that kept on saying well done or that they were overly critical. And it kind of stays with you, that child that just wants to be seen, right? And I think that kind of comes over to, and regrettably, this desire on my part to be visible Mm. um, for people to look at what I'm doing and think, yeah, the guy did a good job here, and it's interesting. and And, and I'd like to buy it, or I'd like to read it, and um, and that's of course cut with. Um, I, I genuinely want to help shape the industry and move it forward, and um, that's why I engage in the writing and the designing and having a chat with you. It's a genuine interest in in uh, furthering our practice, but yeah, the reality is that um, it's not fame. I just need to be visible, and that. Thing that falls back is that it, it i think it speaks to a lot of people's desire um to be noticed and, and and i think for a lot of people it's a very painful experience and that's why you have a lot of negative criticism on brand new is that you see something and it's got all of this exposure and you don't understand it for a lot of people that will provoke a negative reaction that's the easiest. The the harder the reaction is to ask questions, to engage in a long form conversation about what is this project doing, how is it doing it? What are the what are the results? That kind of thing. Um just to see something that you immediately dislike, get all of this exposure. For a lot of people, that's quite a painful experience because they think, well, my work is of equal value. Why is nobody writing about it? Why I um, Publishing institutions only writing about these people. Um, why are they not writing about me? And yeah, it it is I understand it It can be very very difficult uh, to understand that
1: I think that visibility thing I feel it too You want to you want to be accepted and we all feel that on some level But I think a lot of people don't know why they want to be visible. They, They just want to be visible because everybody wants to be visible or everybody wants to be famous underneath i think everybody wants to feel success in in some sense and where even if we say we don't say we don't feel it having a certain amount of followers on twitter feels like success and having a certain amount of followers on instagram feels like success because it feels like you're being approved by a wider audience than just your friends and your mum and your dad so you you feel you feel approved and you you feel like you're becoming more visible there and i feel the same as you i i want to I want to help people. is why I make helpful videos. I want to help people understand design more than what they probably already do. And people think that, uh, I want to get rid of this idea that design is somehow magical. And it's it's something that nobody, not everybody can do. The kind of idea that some designers have perpetuated for too long. That it's uh, it's only a select few that can design. And, and there's still some design agencies now are like that, where the they try and pretend that what they're doing is is impossible for anybody else to do, um, and they don't bring clients into the process and actually make them understand the process. And that's why I share a lot of this, lot of the stuff I do. I don't think there should be secrets, as such. We shouldn't be keeping them um, from people because I, I've always had this this idea, especially when we when we're marketing or talking to people or talking to clients that you kind of your best asset is the secrets that you think you think they're the secrets but when you actually tell your client how you actually do something how you work your process all those kinds of things they actually make a deeper connection to you other than you saying well you know we're designers and we can't explain that Do you yeah, know
0: i i don't think that there's there's no secrets there is experience that's how it goes right is that you and and that's nothing to do with age either um you can accumulate a lot of insight and experience and interest um you just need to go out and, and secure um those learnings um that you just have to have a hunger to to learn and to be able to take what you've learned and implement it i was listening to uh, a designer from a design studio on on instagram uh, the other day and they were they were very forthright about they had made a significant change to a very well-known business but they had no way of um uh they had no empirical evidence what they did contributed to any further success and i think unless you're Perhaps if you're working in fast-moving consumer goods, uh, you may see something uh, like empirical data that says that um, packaging A performed better over packaging B, but let's say it's more corporate branding, um, where the quality of the product, uh, and I think maybe you tweeted something about that uh, recently, is that it doesn't necessarily matter how good or bad the website is as long as you clearly communicate the value of the product and the product delivers um, then you have succeeded as a as a designer um, that th- there is no secret source there's no magic there's experience conviction um a, a clear way of explaining how you feel design may benefit the company but if you have a complex company with a variety of product offerings there's no way to say um at the early stages hire me and you will get 50% increase in sales right so all you can do is take your experience uh think logically and strategically um communicate clearly and hopefully you will solve whatever problem the company had and it will improve the relationship they have with with their sort of consumer group or demographic um and that's very hard to get to right is i almost find it very difficult and and i never promise clients that this is the silver bullet this will give you more sales all i can say is that we can clearly articulate your proposition right and we can use this channel to do it because this is how um, this group of people are looking for your service and how they prefer to read about your service and engage with your service. It's, and that's experience, right? But there's no way I can say, and, and this is the frightening thing is where I've seen logo designers, and these are just logo designers, I've gone on their website and they'll say, um, uh, logo design will make you look amazing and people will buy more products and it will mean you are trusted. And they, they have to work so hard because they're really just selling one asset. And they're selling it as this silver bullet to people that perhaps are entering design services for the first time. And they read it and they're like, oh, I definitely need a logo. And I definitely, this is the, the price. Um, but it, it's like an over promise because they're overcompensating for a lack of knowledge and experience because they've locked themselves down into the logo as a silver bullet for branding or whatever. Um, because the, the, the promise of actual um, results lies in learning, spending time, understanding strategy, um, communication channels, how even people behave. So anthropology, sociology, a bit of political uh, understanding, all of these things come into play in, in corporate communications. But it requires so much time and energy to learn those things no wonder some people just uh, uh want to do logo design and, and sell that as a silver bullet
1: yeah we on that experience thing or at least displaying it to people we've just we've just worked on a tender uh, and ten- tenders are always a nightmare to actually show show value as, as an agency and I hate doing them but some sometimes the project that's behind them is something that we really want to do so we'll we'll go for a tender and We've got a lot of the assets already written because we've done quite a few tenders before. And this this particular tender, they tried to, uh, instead of doing a pitch, instead of doing a free pitch, they basically invented a fake design brief and you had to produce assets to this fake design brief that they'd made. And you had to spend a particular amount of time on each asset. So, you, so they basically said uh, you need to design a Facebook post and it needs to cost £100, for example. So that, that was a really difficult project to do because I'm thinking, I'm thinking about that, how to show our value. There's lots of other ways we could have shown our value and all they want us to do is make essentially a fairly cheap piece of design, which is a beauty contest, but you can't make a beautiful piece because they want it to be quick and cheap and it's it's a real dichotomy that that tender I've never seen a question like that in a tender before and it really it really made me think about that and how they're trying to work out the value of a design agency that's that's going to win this tender and that's not the right answer but I don't know what the right answer is but that that felt really wrong to me the way they were trying to understand a design agency there they weren't trying to understand the experience at all in fact I could have come back to that project on another day or in another week and made something even better or something a lot worse it was more of an exam rather than an actual actual... Uh,
0: yeah so um, my understanding of that is what they're trying to do is (laughs) <laughs> it's in a, in a way uh, like a psychological term projecting is where you try to map someone else's understanding through your own understanding so their understanding is like a, a business pragmatism and then you have um, uh, something that is partly experience partly instinct uh, that is built over a long period of experience that you can't necessarily put into a document without them thinking that it's kind of magic right Mm. Um, um, because you you might be talking about sort of emotions and and, um, um, uh, fostering long-term connections through storytelling that for a lot of business people um, who have a say like a financial economic imperative, where they're applying a value and asking you to fit that value for that asset so that they can go to their sort of upper management and say, here is the price of everything. And this is what we can expect it to do in terms of like, it's gonna connect with X number of people or, and that's where say Facebook kind of comes in and applies um, uh, metrics to everything. So you do a piece of design and in the past you would print it in a magazine and you wouldn't know how well it worked right you you may get a small increase in sales but you can't necessarily attribute that solely to the advert it could be some kind of socio-economic condition that has changed that now you have facebook and facebook says you post this ad and we'll now tell you who saw it when they saw it where they live all of these kind of metrics and and then they say, well, OK, so you designed this piece. Uh, unfortunately, only two people clicked it. That's your fault. Um, it doesn't look good enough, or it doesn't say the right thing. Um, but it still doesn't account for the multitude of other things, right? Um, maybe your product just isn't appealing, or um, it's just the wrong time to post on Facebook, or all these other things. So they're applying a pragmatic thing to what is potentially a more subjective um, thing that is built from experience and um, those kind of things. So clients almost have more uh, data to draw from, and thus they want to apply that to uh, design thinking. And that's that's kind of the tension we have, right? Um,
1: yeah it it just reminded me of how how some to be honest, probably most clients who, who don't really understand design see design. they see it as this 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 productized thing that we you know we're talking about because that's the way that we sell it at the end of the day. um you are gonna make me a Facebook banner. it's gonna cost this amount of money, and this is the product in that situation there that that scientific experiment almost that I had to go through. I had no option to speak to the client and say, well, what about this? What about that? What about this? What about your messaging? Is this messaging right? I don't think this is right. I think we should, I think we should put something else on here. And I don't think this image is right. And all those kind of conversations that go under it, I couldn't have any of those conversations. So it it was literally a scientific experiment of just, is the design piece not even beautiful enough but is the design piece in this instance is it going to appeal to the tender person is this is going to is the person who's going to read this on this day are they going to look at it and say "Ooh, that looks nice and that is completely not the thing that design is about but sometimes you've got to play the game like that and that that is how most people see design that we that we uh, sell it to you've always got that kind of tension with a client where you are you're asking them Uh, to buy your design services and then ultimately you ask them to sign it off which means that there has to be a level of like in quote marks there has to be a level of like for them even though you haven't made it for them you've made it for the audience then you need to ask the client to see it in your way too and they can't always often see it like that and there's always that tension between what the client likes and what the audience likes and all that kind of mix of stuff
0: yeah, there's two things I'd like to add to that is, um One is internal politics. So the person that you're supplying that tender to uh, wants to look good when they bring their edited tenders to the next person up the chain and say, oh, wow, you've picked some amazing um, uh, design studios to, to go through. And then there's also this uh, change of B2B businesses where learnings so that you can take from that, that, um, that the B2B communications are starting to look more like B2C communications because essentially, even if you're communicating between businesses, the reality is it's gonna end up on someone's desk, uh, a human being that has their own kind of predilections and interests, uh, who is perhaps actually quite design sensitive Uh, because of all of the consumer brands that we're now engaging with, Airbnb, things like Typeform, uh, Apple, daily things that they engage with. um, It could be uh, any number of different things. So they're applying that kind of level of understanding when they're receiving tenders, right? So -hmm. they're saying, this is how I understand design in my world. Um, And so it's a a kind of like... um, even if you're communicating with another business you're actually dealing with an individual and you kind of have to design it in a way that seduces them so that you get the business but then also works when you get in <laughs> front of a consumer right
1: that that's why experience as a designer is so important that it's that's it's almost very very rarely actually about the visuals it's about the psychology underneath it it's about the client that you're dealing with it's about who they've got to show it to it's about the the audience that it's going out to it it's just insane the amount of levels of that that goes on
0: and it's the perception of credibility and and this is where you see if you listen to someone like Michael Beirut or Paula Scher, they are exceptional communicators Um, The way that they behave, the way they talk about design, the way they draw the clients in um, is why their work looks the way it does after it's been through the client mill, that there is like a conceptual integrity that remains intact because they can go into a C-suite meeting, speak to um, the, the top level individuals, have their respect and for them to sign off on that. And that takes a lot of time. And it's not, it's not necessarily how you design, it's how you speak about design. And I think this is one of the sort of, it's not talked about very often, is um, how you talk about your design work. Um, all you can say is, the sort of basic principle is that, um, please trust me to do this, I have the experience. Um, but you can't do that if you have like a very small portfolio. And things like, you know, the abstract series on Netflix just reinforces Paula Sher's credibility and it's part of that sort of mythology making. And she now will continue to get that um, level of consideration at the top level of, of business um, to push through her design. And of course, it works because otherwise she wouldn't continue to work with public theatre and. Um, these kind of things because it it works right and that sort of proves that um or is indicative of uh, someone that uh, that understands culture um and and is a a a culture creator if you will um
1: that's why promotion is so important right as a designer it's that's why it's uh, when we were when we were just saying about promoting yourself and, and actually becoming known in the industry, it helps you build a reputation that you can then sell on to your clients. But through that promotion, you are also usually talking about design as well, and you are communicating, and you are building your skill as a design communicator, which is, which is the bit that some designers don't always build, and, and the thing that you don't have when you first start because it's impossible. So as you go out through your career and you start talking about design, maybe doing a podcast about design or writing about design or, or whatever your medium is. As you do that more and more, you're developing your actual design craft to be able to speak to clients and explain exactly why this is an appropriate solution and garner their respect more. And that's that's why Michael Beirut and Paul Sheeran and those kind of people, that's now a massive feed, feedback loop for them because they've been at the highest level for so long They're also really good at promotion and they're good at promotion because they've got a good reputation. And it's now this big feedback loop that feeds that because they're well-known.
0: I think one one of the key things to understand about these kind of individuals is the the depth of understanding. So if you spend time listening to them across lots of different podcasts and, and, and videos or whatever, is they speak very eloquently at great length about very specific subjects uh, that are not within graphic design. So uh, it could be architecture, or a bit of philosophy, it could be art, and and a lot of this has to do with sort of the privilege that they come from. Um, that uh, and I'm not speaking about either of these two individuals here, but uh, people that have grown up uh, around um, art and culture visiting a lot of museums, um, being given a lot of things to read. Um, It's really important when you're young, right, to be uh, uh, directed towards a sense of uh, curiosity and hunger for for learning. Uh, The reality for me is that I only got that curiosity and hunger in the last five years. Um, And that's, in a way, put me quite far behind. And I may never achieve what I want to achieve because, the level of understanding about the world that we exist in uh, uh, politics and the socioeconomic frameworks that we live in is, is, uh, is very limited um, that I might know a little bit more about architecture than, than some other uh, designers. And it's in the capacity to go in and speak very confidently and eloquently about these things to clients so that they're saying, okay, it's not that you have a credible portfolio It's that you know something about the world that you live in, and you're able to then put that into your work. I see a lot of designers that are very, very busy, but I don't feel like they have that broad curiosity that then goes into their work. I see people that are very good at seeing what is going on in terms of graphic design and are able to replicate that and cross that over into other industries. But that it's never really more than uh, clearly articulating some sort of key uh, or or being able to clearly articulate uh, a business's proposition using what you might call like a minimalist or reductionist or Swiss um, communication style, which is is, is kind of a proven um, way of communicating differentiation within the context of that particular uh, reductionist framework is actually quite difficult to do um so I think if you really want to do well in in sort of the field of visual communications it's like learning a lot about the world that we live in um I try to bake it into my day where I'm reading for an hour on whatever and I think you do the same as well right that yeah um
1: I rarely read about design these days to be honest I, I I curate the people that I follow on Twitter that helps me understand some of the the latest stuff that's happening so I'll look at brand new I'll look at some of the big things but I actually spend most of my time and I have done for a long time reading about psychology reading about philosophy reading about stoicism just reading much much wider because I those those things underneath them have a lot of powerful fundamentals that transfer back to design anyway and I think once you've got to a level of the once you've got to a level of the craft where you understand the industry and you understand how you design and who you are as a designer, there's an extra level that you need to look at after that. And that's the, that's all the underpinnings of it that we're talking about. You know, the, the, the socioeconomics and the psychology and, and all the other kinds of stuff that kind of keep you alive and keep you continuing to be interested in the industry. Because I think if if I'd spent every single of my 15 years in the industry, just looking at the latest design trends, man, I'd be so bored now. Because they would have all come around about five times since, and you you just... You you get bored of looking at design, don't you? Just the visual of a design, you get bored of it because you've... I don't wanna say you've seen it all before, but you kind of have. You've seen the, the patterns and the way that people look at things in the same way, so the only way to keep, keep yourself interested is to continue broadening your knowledge wider and wider. It gives you more value as a designer anyway.